Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Grateful to be here today. Uh, I'm so excited for this show. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing well. Happy uh, pre-Thanksgiving to you, Julie. You too. Thank you. So given that, um, I thought it would be a fun idea to list my top 10 reasons why humans can be grateful for dogs. Right? Yeah. Lots of, uh, lots, there's lots there. Turns out, not surprised. (laughs) But I'm so excited for the show today because it just, like, feels so good. I mean, it's not, it's, you know, I mean, every Thanksgiving, everyone's, you know, you know, be present to what you're grateful for. But there's a lot out there year-round about the power of being grateful and being present to what Mm -hmm. we're grateful for and how that contributes to our own sense of happiness and how that attracts what we want and all sorts of stuff around that, right? Well, um, clearly 456 episodes now, (laughs) uh, lots of reasons to be grateful for dogs and grateful for the show, grateful for you, Eric. You do a lot behind the scenes that people don't know about, and I really appreciate that. Thank you, and likewise. And, uh, yeah, so um, I made a list, and um, uh, it was actually really, I feel awesome, a little emotional, but real awesome, uh, from making this list of uh, why humans can be grateful for dogs. And before I start with number one, I wanted to express my gratitude to St. John Creamery, raw goat milk, for dogs and cats. Uh, This is an easy and very effective way to um, really increase the nutritional value of your dog's food, regardless of what you're feeding. Could be just dry kibble. It could be a dehydrated or freeze-dried food. It could be raw food or cooked food. Or maybe you make it, maybe you buy it at the store, whatever. Raw goat milk, I'm telling you. Raw, loaded with probiotics and enzymes, high-quality protein and fat, Dogs love the taste, does wonders for the digestive tract, and therefore the immune system. So because St. John Creamery is local to us here in western Washington, that's the one that I feed our dogs and the one I recommend to you guys and my clients. Um, But you can get raw goat milk from all sorts of, you know, all other places as well. There is a national company, and I'm sure that you've got some local companies uh, where you are as well. So take a look for that. Okay. Reasons why humans are, can be, or should be grateful for dogs. So, and I kind of go back, I kind of think like some of them are present time and some of them are kind of looking back on our history together, given that dogs and people have been living together for 40,000 years is the most widely accepted number in science. So not, not in, in order of importance, uh, this is a top 10 equal order, and I'm sure there's so many more that I haven't uh, that I have not um, included here, too. So first one was farm dogs. So there was uh, recently a a the fall issue of Modern Farmer magazine that I happened to see on the shelf at our local um, co-op. And if any time there's a dog. You mean you don't get that delivered right to the door? No. <laughs> <laughs> Modern Farmer Magazine, 
And I was like, oh, huh, what are they doing? Usually there's like a chicken or something on the front, you know, and now there's a dog. So they said, you hounded us to feature your favorite four-legged friends. We obeyed. And so they go through and they feature a number of farmers of various kinds and their dogs. And, you know, this is something that is really huge. I mean, in present time and going back in time as well, what dogs have contributed to us as humans um, by helping us manage uh, large flocks of livestock or herds of animals, uh, by so moving them, so herding dogs, protecting those animals, so livestock guarding breeds, and some of those are featured as well. So herding dogs, border collies, cattle dogs, corgis, um, you know, Australian shepherds, those guys, German shepherds, herding breeds. So they're going to move, uh, you know, help move the move the livestock to wherever the the human wants them to go or to be. Then there's the the livestock garters who live out with the sheep or whatever goats or whatever and actually protect them from predators like coyotes or wolves, you know, commonly really coyotes, um, but others as well. So really indispensable. There was one woman featured in this um, edition of the magazine where she used to be the livestock guard, and she would just end up, anytime she heard a disturbance or whatever, would just run outside. And, you know, she wasn't sleeping very well and isn't going to be as effective either, and she got a dog um, I think that woman was a great Pyrenees who that was the dog that she got and uh, dog does a great job of that. Um, rodent management. So we've got our little hunters, the terriers, the dachshunds. There's a dachshund uh, featured in this who are keeping the, the vermin issue down. So as as we have learned in Seattle, as we have an urban farm that's now almost two years old. Uh, when you have grain around, you have more rodents around, unless you're careful. Um, so we can definitely get that. Like, it's a thing. Um, so And they kind of share that job with cats. So yes. We should give Although, them, <laughs> give yeah, a little shout, shout out, out to, to cats, cats too. Yeah. However, m- my cat, you know, my cat people have said um, a lot, oftentimes with cats, like the cats will just play with, you know, they don't just like go in and hunt. It's more recreational for cats. I guess it depends on the cat. To- totally. But I have heard that a lot about cats. Like, well, they'll do the job, but, you know, it'll, they're going to take their time and play with it versus a, you know, dachshund <laughs> or terrier who's just going to, um, you know. Anyway, but yes, to your point. Um, there's uh, one guy that has a dog who happens to be a mini Australian shepherd, so a herding breed, but that dog really serves as entertainment at farmer's markets to draw crowds to help sales. And then there was another, and then I think also like people visiting the farm, um, the dog is more helps in like a sales capacity um, in kind of caretaking the emotional tone or drawing people over to his um, setup, um, that sort of thing too. So there's really a lot of ways that, um, you know, there's a corgi in this, another livestock garter, a little cattle dog whippet mix, border collie. Oh, a Legoto Romagnolo, which is a breed of dog from Italy that um, finds truffle mushrooms in the woods. Um, and interesting that it's uh, there's an ecological benefit to um, having dogs 
uh, do this gourmet foraging because some hunters rake the ground kind of indiscriminately, damaging and exposing the tree's roots, etc., whereas dogs pinpoint the exact location of ripe truffles so she can harvest them with a spoon and avoid disrupting the forest floor. I've heard pigs are used for truffles as well, but then you have to end up fighting the pig for the mushroom. So um, anyway, kind of cool. So farm dogs. This is huge. I mean, if we didn't have dogs helping us with livestock, you know, I mean, think about how we, um, the relationship between humanity and and livestock and and meat production and wool production and um, milk production, all that kind of stuff, right? Have to have a dog. Have to have a good dog, or or many, depending on how 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 large your your flock or herd is. So, this is huge. I mean, this is a big deal. Like as far as taking a, a look back on how we've been able to evolve as humans. So, farm dogs. Grateful for farm dogs. Number two, home security. I, in over 15 years of working with people and their dogs in the capacity of training and behavior, which is where my expertise is, in addition to interviewing others on the show, um, I have not once in thousands, literally thousands of dogs and people who I have met with over the years uh, about, you know, like barking or uh, challenges you know, allowing people into the house, stuff like that. I have not once had a human tell me that they did not want their dog to bark if there was somebody at the door. They want to have an off switch. So, okay, thank you. This person is authorized. Now please be quiet and be calm and be well-mannered and be nice and all that stuff. But I have not once had somebody say, I don't want my dog to bark initially. This is huge. If you think back on 10, 20, 30, 40,000 years ago, how this has allowed us to evolve as a species, allow us to relax in a way that we had not been able to before. Because if you've got a bunch of dogs hanging around the outskirts of your village or whatever that looked like, campfire or however it was organized, uh, you know, you've got a bunch of dogs laying around there eating your garbage, basically. But, you know, garbage in the sense of like carcasses and whatever. Uh, they're going to let you know if there's like a cougar or something prowling around or somebody from another tribe or whatever. Right. The dogs are going to start barking and let you know, hey, there's somebody out there. This having that in place allowed us to relax in a way that impacted our central nervous system. Literally. And also helped us, you know, create some space for us to think about different things or create art or, you know, the combination between the farm dogs and the and the guarding as well. I mean, you know, gave us the ability to fundamentally relax as animals in in a wild world then that we hadn't been able to before. So it allowed our brains to actually start working in a different way, thinking about the stars that we're looking at or religion or or make art or whatever. That's huge. As far as the traject- trajectory of humanity, I directly credit dogs 
for a huge portion of our 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 um, evolution in the way that we did. Home security, and I get this personally. I mean, we have a bunch of dogs, and we feel real safe in our house, really. Nobody's going to knock on wood. No one's going to try to come into our house with all those dogs. Be crazy. There's easier, you know, home security. Thank you. Grateful for dogs' home security. Number three of why humans can be grateful to dogs Hunting and slash sled dogs, because then I would have had to call it 11 and not 10. So um, other ways kind of that dogs work for us, they have helped hunted with us, taught us about hunting. And then I thought also of sled dogs and that in um, northern climates or, you know, Arctic climates, it's the only way to get around. There was a... um, uh, one of the long, the longer feature films of the Dog Film Festival this summer was about uh, this a group of four men and four dogs who went up um, searching for some marker of uh, of a explorer from years ago, and the only way to get up there, the only way to get around was dog sled. So huge, um, and then hunting dogs, of course. You know, if you're out hunting, you know, birds or ducks, whatever, you know, and you get a duck and it's out in the middle of the pond, where you going to go swim out and get it in the frigid water? No. You're going to have your Labrador or whoever go out and get it for you, or if it's a spaniel or a setter or somebody's going to go out, dog's going to go out and flush the birds out and allow you to hunt and um, get food that way. So really key. And it, when you look at the, when you look at breeds of dogs and the groups of breeds they are defined by job description um herding sporting working so those guys are going to be the weight pullers the sled dogs the working dogs sporting breeds are going to be your hunting dogs your gun dogs herding dogs obviously your farm dogs you've got your terriers the rodent killers and then you have your kind of companion guys too, the toy group and, you know, other breeds as well. But, you know, dogs and people have been evolving together and a huge part of what's controlled uh, how we've created dogs have been based off of their job description. And I end up in talking about behavior. Um, you know, this is something that's really important for us to appreciate and respect about whatever kind of dog we have or whatever kind of dog we're working with. You know, if I'm working with a border collie versus a bulldog, there's some there's some things that I'm going to want to know and appreciate just based off of the genetics that are driving the behavior. Um, If you know and and how uh, how they might react to their environment differently based off of that or how they might um, work with a human differently. Um, Herding breeds are designed to work with humans you know, my I'm super involved in the sheepdog trials here locally on Vashon Island. Talked about them for years. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that. Last year we had Temple Grandin out, which was awesome. Um, so, but it, when you're watching herding dogs work, it's a partnership. You know, the human is, you know, whistling or, um, you know, saying words and giving direction to the dog 
And then the dog is also doing some of their own work independently. But it's definitely a back and forth. But if you think of like a terrier where they're like, you know, go down into the hole and kill whatever you find, there's not a human behind them, you know, go left, go right, you know, at all. So in the context then of obedience training, now I'm generalizing. But in the context of obedience training, I'm going to generally expect to have an easier time training and getting a herding breed to work for me than a dog that's more independent, more of an independent worker, like a terrier or a hound, because they're just not designed to have to listen to a human in order to do their job. So I just find that really fascinating. And I love mixed breed dogs. I love purebred dogs. I I find the history of our um, lives together very interesting. And and therefore, the genetics of that really fascinating as well. And in my work with behavior, like I said, it's important to know that and to know what the genetics are telling the dog to do and what we bred them for, too. Um, Okay, so number one. Top 10 reasons of why humans uh, can be grateful to dogs. Number one, farm dogs. Uh, Referred to Modern Dog Magazine, the fall issue, and all the different jobs that farm dogs do for us. Herding, livestock guarding, uh, you know, rodent control. uh, And then one was even finding uh, truffle mushrooms in the the woods for us. um, All sorts of good stuff. So a lot going on there. Number two was home security. If you have a dog, probably barks if someone's at the door. Uh, if a dog doesn't bark when someone's at the door, it's sort it's definitely not the norm. I'm I'm impressed when I meet a dog that does not bark when people come in. It's not the majority of dogs. Um, and then hunting dogs slash sled dogs, so other ways that dogs work for us and with us in the world. Number that was number three. Number four. Military and police dogs. So there is a, um, you know, and this is, I feel a little conflicted about this one just because it's like, you know, you know, kind of scary situations. And a lot of times dogs are injured and hurt like people in these situations as well. Uh, there was a um, story that I found. Let's see, there was a USWarDogs.org, which is uh, sort of devoted to honoring um, U.S. military and war dogs past and present and their handlers, um, erecting monuments, telling the stories, that kind of stuff. I um, read a story from Vietnam, the Vietnam War, of a, um, a soldier who had a dog with him and the dog would alert him um, whenever there was somebody near that he wouldn't have been able to to tell. You know, the dogs are really good at that. The dog's name was Nemo. And um, so he would alert, uh, and the guy ended up being shot in the shoulder, The and the dog, and I think the dog ended up being, um, got injured as well, but, but lived. And... Um, you know, there's this story after story, and they're going through the night, and then finally he said it was the last thing I remember. It was 3 a.m. I was hiding behind a bulldozer, and um, he started, his consciousness started fading away, and the dog came back and crawled on top of him to protect him, which they're trained to do. And uh, it took 
uh, a specific person who was also a handler to actually get the dog off of him because he was so like, you're not getting near my partner. Um, gives me goosebumps. Uh, there's so many stories of um, dogs in both military and police work. And um, and I, I interviewed a while ago uh, Keeping Canines in Kevlar, which was a um, local, actually, organization that was um, raising money for um, bulletproof vests for their working for working dogs, which is really important. They don't they don't have them necessarily like a lot of them. And they should they should have protection from, you know, bullets and knives and stuff as they're doing this work. And, and they're really expensive. And a lot of um, police forces uh, aren't able to equip all of their dogs. So that was a cool organization. Um keeping canines in Kevlar. So military and police dogs, you know, honoring how they've been partners to us in um, uh, darker situations. I know there was a dog present for the um, uh, Bin Laden raid. I think his name was Cairo, a Belgian Malinois, one of my favorite breeds. I think they're gorgeous um, and intense and, you know, not your average family pet, so be careful with also knowing what you're, if you're considering a breed, you know, understanding what they're meant to do. Um, border Collie, another example. Busy, 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 busy. So, oh, they're so smart. Yes, and you have to give them jobs to do, otherwise it cannot go well for you. So, um, so honoring our military and police dogs, grateful for their partnership in, um, in that context. Number five of uh, top 10 ways that humans can be grateful to dogs, scent detection dogs. Ooh, I love this. Uh, I love this one. I have a whole bunch of different ways that, that scent detection dogs help us. They detect bombs, drugs, illegal produce, endangered species. So there's a local organization, actually Conservation Canines, which we're in conversation about having them on the show sometime soon, um, where the dogs are trained to find um, the scat, which is the poop of certain species of animals, or um, dogs have been trained to find like a certain kind of box turtle that, you know, lives under the leaves or something and would otherwise be hard to find or um, stuff like that. So endangered species. Cancer cells, diabetic alert dogs. Dogs can sense when I think it's the level of ketones drop drops below a certain number in the blood, which is a, a sort of step before, um, uh, you know, like a diabetic attack. So um, missing people, truffle mushrooms, like I mentioned before in the farm dogs, avalanche dogs, uh, People who, who are deceased, cadaver dogs. I talked years ago with um, a professional scent detection trainer, Trace Sargent, on, on that work and search and rescue dogs. Dog sense of smell is incredible. I talked with Alexander Horowitz a few times on the show, who has studied and continues to study dog sense of smell and writes about it. Amazing books. Uh, Being a Dog is her most recent one, and then the one before that was Inside of a Dog. Um, Alexander Horowitz, look those ones up. Those are great. She's great. Going all into the dog's sense of smell. 
their sense, they're the part of their brain that analyzes scent is 40 times larger than ours. And our brains are bigger also. Uh, dogs' heads, their skulls have a lot more air in them because they have more like sinus cavities because of all of the, how structurally they are designed to analyze scent. We, I said this so many times over the years, we can't comprehend what it's like with our human brains to experience the world through a dog's nose. It's really, really kind of mind-blowing. I mean, you know, you look, I've, I've heard it said, which kind of makes sense to me a little bit, like if you, like I look around this room, if I were to close my eyes and like open my eyes for a second and then close them again, my brain saw a, a lot of things. I see Eric. I see all the um, microphones. I see the screen over there. I see that thing. I see the camcorder. I see those little flower things that dance in the sun. You know, this this screen, my computer, the clock, blah, 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 the wires. My eyes took all of that in in just a moment. When you walk into a room for people who have vision, you walk into a room and you see the room. That's how you get the most information from your environment. Dogs get the most information from their environment through their noses. So it's almost as if all of those different things that you saw, they could smell individually. What? Totally blows, totally mind-blowing. I wonder what that clock smells like. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. I mean, and that's how they can smell cancer cells or... Mm. uh, you know, the oils that have risen to the surface of water of a body on the bottom of the thing or of a, a, um, you know, poop from a whale or something like that or a missing person or, you know, I mean, it's crazy that they can just scent their way through. It's amazing. Scent detection dogs. Oh, my gosh. How we use a dog's sense of smell in this world. Um, airports, you know, now when you uh, see... When you're when I'm at the airport, I often am so so thrilled to see a dog. You can't talk to them. You're not supposed to talk to them because they're working, but they're going through and just cruising through your luggage, checking it out. I'm not exactly sure what they're looking for. I would assume explosives, but I know some of them are maybe illegal produce. I should answer that question actually because I'm curious. But how we use scent detection dogs in the world. And given all of this focus on scent, I just want to send, I just want to like give a plug to canine nose work, which is scent detection training for fun for any dog. It doesn't matter how old the dog is. It doesn't matter what breed the dog is. It doesn't matter how old you are (laughs) to do it um, because, you know, it's not like agility where you have to be able to run around and, and do all that. And same with the dog. Uh, scent detection training for fun. It's one of the best ways to burn your dog's mental energy and give them something fun and fulfilling and uh, work to do in their life because dogs are massively unemployed in this country. And nose work classes are available all over the place. I know I've had listeners who have reached out to me and let me know that they found nose work classes in their state, in their in their area, and started taking them. And if there's you know, one of the best things that you can do for your dog is to get him into a nose work class. Trust me. All right. So we made it one through five. One was farm dogs and all of those various job descriptions, not just herding, but livestock protection, terriers, hunting rats, etc. 
Home security never had one person and thousands of people in 15 years tell me they did not want their dog to bark at all if there was somebody sneaking around the house or at the door. They just want an off switch. Number three, hunting dogs slash sled dogs. Uh, Number four, police and military dogs. Number five, scent detection dogs. Those are one through five of uh, why we are grateful to dogs, not in any particular order for sure. And we're going to take a quick break and come back with six through ten. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Looking for an easy way to give your dog's food a boost in nutrition? Or maybe your dog has a sensitive digestive tract, itchy skin, or is just a picky eater. We've had such great success feeding St. John Creamery raw goat's milk to our pack, and I recommend it to my clients all the time. You can get raw goat's milk for your dog all over the country, but if you live in Western Washington, be sure it's St. John Creamery you reach for in the freezer section of your local independent pet supply store. You can also pick up your milk at drop locations around the area. Visit stjohncreamery.com to learn more. That's stjohncreamery.com. Your dogs will love you for it. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Anti-Icky Poo, the product that gets the stink out, we cover the world of animals. This week, November 26th, it's an encore harmonic energy shifting Sunday with Jude and Paul Potton from Whispering Dragon Center in Seattle. Hear them with their acutonic forks, Tibetan bowls and bells and didge, doing remote treatments for listeners and their animal friends. We had a great time, and you can benefit from the energy just by listening. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 11. Next week on Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair, executive editor of the American Heritage Dictionary, Steve Kleinedler. More than 400 new words were added to the dictionary this year. We'll share some of the weirdest along with new meanings. And in today's divided world, award-winning writer and radio correspondent, Helen Thorpe puts a human face to newcomers in crisis as families seek refuge, friendship, and hope in America. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific time, Fridays at 6 a.m., and chat with Vicki on Twitter at Vicki St. Clair. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. Dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes. 
host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) Alternative Talk 1150, local talk for the body, mind, and soul. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, and it is great to be here today. We're talking about the my top 10 reasons why we humans can be grateful to dogs, past and present. But unlike the David Letterman top 10 list, this one's not meant to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I don't think it is really There's that some funny. fun aside, though. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think anything like informational about dogs is kind of fun for me because I'm so interested. But no, this is not like a joke. Right. Um, so we did, we covered one through five in the first half of the show. So if you're just tuning in, you can find us as always as a free podcast on iTunes. All of our shows are archived on our website, which is dogradioshow.com. And you can also go to Facebook and find us there. And we post all of our shows to our Facebook page as well through SoundCloud and just search for the dog show with Julie Forbes on Facebook. And that will bring you to us there as well. So To recap, one through five, farm dogs, herding, livestock guarding, rodent management, drafting, so pulling pulling carts of things. Lots of ways that dogs help us in a farm context was number one. Number two, home security. Never have I once had a human tell me that they did not want their dog barking at the door initially. They just want the off switch. Thank you. You're done. This person is authorized. Now, please be calm and nice, (laughs) but never don't bark initially. That's huge. And I get that too. We feel real safe in our house with our four dogs. Number three, kind of shared this hunting dogs and sled dogs. Uh, Hunter out, shoots a duck. The duck falls into a pond and the hunter's not going out to get the duck in the cold water. They're going to send their Labrador out or uh, uh, spaniels or setters who are going to flush out the game. Um, And then sled dogs, huge in um, Arctic climates. The only way to get certain places is by sled dog. And I think that's actually still the case in certain areas. And I was referencing a film as part of the Dog Film Festival last summer, and I can't remember the name of the film, but it was these four men and four dogs who went up um, close to the North Pole or something. It was uh, trying to retrace the steps of an of a old explorer. And I think the only way to get there is dog sled. I interviewed Vaughn Martin about the uh, commemorative 1925 serum run expedition that they did where they were getting life-saving diphtheria medicine to Nome, Alaska. The only way to get up there was dog sled. Big deal for us humans, right? Over the over the centuries and th- and millennia, thousands and thousands of years, tens of thousands of years. Number four, military and police dogs. Gave some examples there. Number five, scent detection dogs. So many ways that they help us with their amazing sense of smell. Bombs, drugs, illegal produce, endangered species, cancer cells, diabetic alert dogs, missing people, helping uh, hunting for truffle mushrooms in the woods, avalanche dogs, finding missing people buried in an avalanche, 
so many ways that dogs' incredible sense of smell helps us in really, really important ways. Number six, therapy dogs. There's also so many ways that therapy dogs help us. Now, a therapy dog is different from a service dog. A therapy dog is a dog where, um, like, I, my dog and I were going to go to a nursing home and visit with the uh, residents of the nursing home and bring them some joy and, uh, uh, you know, listen to their stories of the dogs that they had when they were younger and living independently and all that stuff. I actually did that when I was in college in Vermont. Uh, I was part of a group called Pets Helping People back in the day when you really didn't have to be too formal about it. And we just actually went to the Greyhound Rescue of Vermont and the woman who ran it just gave us the dogs that were social and we loaded them up into the van and took them to area nursing homes. There was no certification at that time. Um, amazing, though. Man, we, we, we left crying pretty much every time. It was really powerful stuff. Therapy dogs. Uh, if I wanted to bring my dog to a hospital to visit with residents and doctors or um, reading with Rover, which is a local um, organization, and I talked with Be- Becky Bishop, who's the founder of that, um, dogs that sit and listen to kids read to them. Oh, my gosh. I mean, how sweet is that? Kids who are learning to read and especially kids who are maybe struggling to learn to read. It can really help them to actually practice and read to a dog who, of course, is going to listen without judgment and not be critical. But also that uh, physiological effect that dogs have on us, on our bodies, our blood pressure drops. Uh, We feel more relaxed. Um, Oftentimes, people who stutter don't stutter when they talk to dogs. I mean, there's a lot there, uh, real basic stuff. Courthouse dogs. I've talked with Ellen O'Neill Stevens, two separate interviews um, on the show, actually locally founded, and now is a national and even international uh, phenomenon. Courthouse dogs brings therapy dogs into courthouses to help comfort and support kids and other vulnerable individuals in um, having to testify in court or in the case of a child who maybe witnessed some horrific incident that happened to a parent or between their parents or, you know, witnessed something that that happened to somebody else or that happened to them. They're going to be real shut down and afraid and traumatized, and they're not going to necessarily want to say what happened to them or what they saw that was really scary to some strange detective. But they might tell a dog what happened. They might point to parts on a dog's body, not their own. And that's uh, important work because it helps uh, detectives and prosecutors actually do their job and bring justice. Courthouse dogs, amazing. I've had them on the show, like I said. Hope Animal Assisted Crisis Response. I've had them on the show. So when there's a natural disaster or some, you know, um, crisis like a school shooting or um, other other type thing like that, um, therapy dogs coming to bring some emotional uh, emotional support to victims and workers who are working around this really emotionally stressful and hard situation. Hospice dogs Um, just about a year ago, actually, actually, November is. like hospice month. So happy hospice month. Uh, So last November, I 
I had a, a, a hospice therapy dog handler, and actually two, two separate shows, JB, JJ, the hospice therapy dog, and her handler, and then before that, um, a nurse who um, did therapy work as well. These are dogs that bring uh, the therapeutic value of a therapy dog to end-of-life settings. Um, really, really amazing stuff. Um, hearing about how the dogs just kind of know what they're doing and and, and how they respond to the environment. Um, pretty awesome. So therapy dogs, so much there, right? So many other ways that therapy dogs are helping us humans, bringing us emotional support in challenging situations. That's a big deal. Grateful for therapy dogs. That was number six. Number seven, I got, I kind of just call this like hero dogs, you know, like just kind of these stories where these dogs have just done these amazing kinds of things. Um, there's a dog who saved a baby in a house fire. So it's super, actually, this was kind of a sad story, but like, oh man, like the, the this woman went out to like bring the garbage out or something like that. And the house, while she was out, like running out to bring the thing out, the whole, the house was like engulfed in flames or the apartment and she couldn't get in. And, um, they, once they were able to control to get the fire under control and get firefighters in there. They actually found the dog laying on top of the baby and they were able to revive the baby and not the dog, uh, protecting it from the smoke and, and heat and stuff. Um, there was a dog that alerted um, his family to an abusive babysitter by becoming increasingly more aggressive to this woman over the course of several months. And that led the humans to plant an audio recorder under the couch and uh, was they were able to capture the woman speaking very abusively to the children um, and this was not a dog that was just aggressive to strangers so he let them know this woman's bad news you got to check this out um, lots of other stories of dogs letting owners know that the house is on fire that there's a newborn in distress dogs alerting um, their owners to cancer um, Kind of mentioned that in the scent detection piece, but um, all sorts of ways where there's these hero dogs, um, and the and and this kind of bleeds into other categories. I think there's a lot of ways in the scent detection. Number five, number four, military and police dogs, of course. Um, but then there's other ways just in life where they really, you know, save our lives, just doing what they do. You know, letting us know something's not something's not right or letting us know that the house is on fire or, you know, that kind of thing. So that was number seven. Number eight, service dogs. So service dogs are different from therapy dogs. Therapy dogs, you and your dog go out and help other people. Service dogs are dogs that are trained to perform a task that mitigates the symptom of a disability, a documented disability. Um, now, I've spoken to this, I actually spoke to this recently on the show, and I have over the years as well, about that there is a shadow side to the service dog industry and that there's a lot of welfare concerns, actually, in service dogs because, you know, I mean, don't take for granted what we're asking dogs to do. Um, some people think that uh, 
humans, service dogs are sort of exploiting dogs. Uh, there's certainly plenty of situations where service dogs and and humans have amazing, powerful partnerships. I I think it came up when I was um, played my interview with Trina McDonald, who's a um, a veteran, and her service dog Susie, and how Susie um, helps her move through life after um, her experiences in the military that gave her PTSD. And there's also situations where we're either asking a dog who's just not really up for the job because it's a lot to ask a dog to go everywhere in public. There's a lot of dogs, and you probably know this, who aren't really that comfortable in public or even more obvious, you know, aggressive to strangers or aggressive to other dogs or that kind of thing. It really takes a a specific individual to uh, do well as a service dog. We have to advocate for the dogs as well. Um, And the way that they do help us in that context is amazing. Some examples of of assistance dogs, um, you know, guide dogs for the blind, seeing eye dogs, those types of dogs, you know, helping people who are visually impaired move around the world. Medical alert dogs, I referenced this earlier. Uh, Diabetic alert dogs, there's seizure alert dogs, there's hearing dogs. Um, who alert people to alert their handlers to sounds like you drop your keys and you didn't notice your dog lets you know or someone's at the door or there's a um, the timers going off or you know that kind of thing Um, so lots of ways that um, service dogs are um, helping people and we just need to make sure that we are advocating for the dogs as well That's number eight. Top 10 reasons why humans can be grateful to dogs. Not in a particular order. So not necessarily one is like the most. But um, these are the ones that I came up with. And if you've got other ideas, you can always comment on our Facebook page as well, because I'll be posting this episode. So number nine, more generally. So dogs in the modern world. So we've talked a lot about how dogs have evolved with us, the specific job descriptions we've bred them to do over the years, over the centuries. And now here we are in modern times, living with dogs in cities, in our tech jobs, a lot of which in Seattle anyway, you can bring your dog to. We have our smartphones and Bluetooth and you know, everything that allows us to move technologically very fast through the world in a way that leaves us, at least I'll speak for myself, feeling a little overwhelmed and like I'm not taking enough time to really be, be in the present, be in the physical world, slow down, be in your body. Um, there is a, I think, an animal part of us that dogs keep us connected to as we advance technologically. And I appreciate that. And I think it's important for us because we do, after all, still need our physical bodies. We have not evolved beyond our physical bodies. And so we therefore live in a physical world. And dogs help us stay present to those parts of our animal selves as well. They remind us about the importance of nonverbal communication in a hyperverbal world. 
a hyperverbal, noisy world where we talk, 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 talk. And if you're learning to work with your dog, you're going to learn, hopefully, to pay attention to what you're actually doing, what quality of energy you are generating, all of the nonverbal communication, which brings up issues of body awareness and posture. Those are pretty big topics. Um, and then outside of, you know, a kind of part of being present, but also kind of more of an emotional thing now, they teach us about um, if a dog is requiring us to set boundaries with them, which a lot do because they're animals, um, teaching us about balanced leadership styles, uh, self-respect, how to stand up for yourself, how to set boundaries in a way that feels relatively comfortable. So they teach us a lot, um, connecting us to our animal selves, keeping us in, in, our, uh, in our bodies. This was a lot of what I wrote my book about, which is not published yet. Uh, we're working on just building some things around that before we, before we put that out there, but that will be happening next year. Uh, my experience um, as my own human self moving through the world and my past experience and, and all that relating that to what I've learned from my clients and what my clients have taught me and what their dogs have taught us <laughs> about um, all of these things. Um, leadership, personal power, having a strong presence, um, setting boundaries in a way that's balanced and fair, balancing masculine and feminine styles and energy, specifically around topics of power and leadership. Um, so there's a lot there, so look forward to the book. That's number nine. So to recap, top 10 reasons why we humans can be grateful to dogs. Number one, farm dogs. Herding, livestock guarding, rodent controlled, pulling carts of heavy things. That's called drafting. Number two, home security. Never have I had a person tell me, ever, in my experience of dog training and behavior, and working with people and their dogs, that they did not want their dog to bark initially at the door. They just wanted an off switch. Number three, hunting dogs slash sled dogs. Huge help in those realms. Number four, military and police dogs. Number five, scent detection dogs. Scent detection for bombs, drugs, illegal produce, endangered species, cancer cells, diabetic alert dogs. Missing people, truffle mushrooms, avalanche dogs, all under the co uh, category of scent detection and more. Number six, therapy dogs. Uh, kids learning to read, reading to dogs. Dogs uh, comforting victims of traumatic experiences in courthouses. Dogs bringing comfort and emotional support to uh crisis situations, natural disasters, school shootings, those types of things. Dogs, therapy dogs who bring comfort and a sense of peace in end-of-life experiences, hospice dogs. Lots of other ways that therapy dogs bring comfort and support to us emotionally in the world. Hero dogs kind of generally. Dogs save us from house fires and abusive babysitters and stuff like that. Service dogs, guide dogs, seeing eye dogs, medical alert dogs, um, hearing ear dogs, those, those guys. Number nine, dogs in the modern world, keeping us connected to, the, to our physical selves, our animal selves, 
teaching us how to uh, communicate non-verbally effectively, all that good stuff. Number 10, old dogs. Old dogs teaching us about grief, aging, death, and beyond. It is part of the deal that when we welcome a dog into our family, we will have to someday grieve their death. I've talked about this on the show over the years, my own experiences. We had to say goodbye to our old dog, Haven dog, Lois, this summer, and have had to experience grief of dogs in the past. We witness our dogs move through life's phases with a certain sense of peace that I think we humans long to connect with as we age ourselves. It's been said that dogs don't fear death the way that we do. Of course, like any animal, dogs want to survive, but when it is their time, they seem to move on to what is next with grace and dignity and just sort of an acceptance and peace about this is the end of this life. What's next? It brings that up for us. What is next? We don't know, um, but it, it can bring that up. It's an opportunity for us to think about that, to talk about it, to connect with others around those types of things. We're all going to die. Many of us have been there, holding our beloved dog in our lap, sitting on the floor, stroking his or her head, soaking in the last looks of those favorite parts of their body, their whiskers, their mouth, ears, paws, the cute spot on the top of the head. Then she dies. Then he dies. And we return home to live our next days, months, years, to learn how to balance a broken heart with the rest of life. The sun and moon continue to rise and set. And we miss our dogs so much every day, it feels excruciating and overwhelming. Eventually, we learn to love another dog. Our hearts fill with that precious familiarity and companionship we knew so well. The joy, laughter, affection, frustration, challenge, that heart connection. Eventually, again, we have to say goodbye and are greeted again with the agony of grief. Dogs in their old age and in their death show us that love is expansive and limitless, that this is a human quality that they bring out in us so exquisitely. In our grief, we are reminded that we are a bunch of sensitive hearts walking the earth. We fight, hurt each other, hurt animals and, and our planet, and we struggle to evolve and reconcile our violent nature and history with an anonymous pressure to raise our consciousness, find peace, and let love rule us. Dogs. Dogs deserve better. They should be treated with the respect and reverence they deserve for all they contribute to humanity, for all that we've talked about on today's show. They deserve better. And every day I'm grateful for dogs, and I'm grateful for you for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Happy Thanksgiving. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.